0: To show what you have done in um, in this world, please help us to understand what an awesome God you are, and please be with each of our speakers, and please be, bless each person here and help them to gain more of a knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Um, so I I've gone as a student missionary, we're going to be talking about mission stories, So I don't know if they can go to the next slide. or There we go. Okay, so I went to Palau. It was 2016 to 2017. It was a a 10-month student mission year. And that is a picture of Palau. It's an island out in the South Pacific. So you can see um, there's Philippines and Asia, and it's right out there. And it's a pretty small island with about 25,000 people, but it has a very strong Adventist church. And I went to an elementary school there. It's a very jungly place. It's very beautiful. It has a lot of um, tropical fruits and, and a lot of beautiful birds and things. And um, the culture here, they have a um, a cultural heritage. This is one of their houses. It's called a bai. And um, it was a traditional meeting house. They did a lot of um, pictures that they paint. And they're, um, they have a a rich history. I wish we knew more about the culture, but you know, it, there were a lot of people like the Spanish and Japanese and German who came and they have infused bits of their cultures into Palau culture. But they do speak English there. It's an American protectorate and they speak both English and Palauan. And there, it has cities, but it also has a lot of jungle. It's very I mean, it has a very small city. It's a, a big town, but they have beautiful orchids, and um, they have just about everything you need. Like they have grocery stores and things. But yeah, this is some of the culture here. They had a big festival, um, a cultural festival, and our flight, our uh, not fly camp, but pathfinders on the left. You can see they were representing us there and on the right you can see there was a float with some of the traditional costumes they dress in grass skirts and things and, they, and there's me um, there's a bridge uh, that connects two of the islands and I'm drinking coconut water of course everyone when I told everyone that I was going as a student missionary to a tropical island they said you know wow well that's great you know I hope you're going to enjoy your year there you know <laughs> they're like wow are you really like does that mission work? Is that real? <laughs> you know, because basically, I, um, I was, I was actually a really shy person. So it was a shock to go as a student missionary to begin with. Like my family, um, they were surprised when I told them, like, I'm going. I've decided I want to go as a student missionary for a year they were like, whoa, Hillary, like Hillary wants to go as a student missionary. Like she's going to go from Maine. I'm from Maine. So she's going to go from Maine all the way to this tropical island, like half a world away. Like when I talked to my parents, it was like 12 or 13 hours and it would be a different day. Like I would, I'd be talking to them. I think it was, oh, I can't even remember now. Was it backwards or forwards, but it would be Yeah, so it would be the next day for me, and it would be the previous day for them, and it would be at night, and it would be the morning for me. So, yeah, it was a long, long way away, and I was just thankful that they had internet because I could talk with my family, but it was hard. And the challenge is, like, it wasn't just being far away. It was that when I got there to the elementary school, I was supposed to be the librarian, and I got there and all the books looked like this. They they had redone the floors, and they said, okay, you know, now... Uh, you know, just put the books back up. So I had to put all the books back up. You know, someone helped me, so it was nice. And but it was, um, it was a real. There were so many challenges. Uh, that's the after picture, by the way. So a couple of people helped me, and it, it looked all right. But they had a nice little library. A lot of little Adventist books, like old books, I found there. But also, instead of just being the librarian, they said, oh, you'll be the librarian. You'll help um, out with tutoring and be a substitute teacher. And then guess what they said when I got there? They're like, we don't have a seventh grade teacher. Can you teach seventh grade? You know, so I'm like, you know, like, yes, God, can I? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so I did that for, you can go back to the previous slide and keep it there, or the previous one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so basically I... Taught seventh grade for five months because they promised me they were giving getting a real seventh grade teacher. So this was just a fill-in. They're like, yeah, just a few weeks. Of course, those few weeks turned into five months. But it, they did get a teacher. They they kept their promise. And um, after that, I I did more tutoring and I substitute taught. Like that picture on the right is kindergarten, because um, uh, I I was substituting kindergarten a lot. But um, but it was. It, it was, I don't want to dwell too long on the the harder parts, but when you go as a student missionary, you believe that um, you want to do God's will. You want to um, go and, like, I I didn't quite understand my relationship with God at the time. I was like, I want to do something for God, but I'm not sure quite how to make him happy. And I was like, I I want to do student mission work. And once I once I got into the program at my school at Southern Adventist University, it felt right. Like, I felt this was where God wanted me to be. But I was still questioning. There were so many doubts and so many fears. Like, I, I was worried, like, is God happy with me? Even when I was over there, I was, like, doing the best I could, and I felt like I was still a failure. Like, I, I couldn't do everything that I needed to. I felt I was so faulty and imperfect. And I was like, is this... Like, I thought I was supposed to be a missionary. Like, I thought missionaries were these holy people, these saints, and I was like, how, you know, I felt so low at that time, and I, I couldn't talk to God about it, because I didn't want to complain, because, um, you know, you read about the children of Israel, I was complaining in the Bible, I was like, I'm not going to be those people, but then I was like, it, trans, it turned into that I didn't talk to God about my problems, and it, it just, it all bottled up inside, and I realized, like, God wants us to talk with him, You know, he he listens to us even, like, I really didn't want to complain, but I realized that God was there to listen. Like, I started reading in Job, um, in the Bible, and Job just, he talked about his feelings to God, and he knew God was, like, even though he said, you know, God, I don't know where you are right now, but he said, I know, I know that I've got a God up there who listens, you know, so... um, it just helped me when I read Job and the Psalms, and I realized that it's okay to talk to God. Like, you can talk to him about everything, and as long as you're willing to keep the conversation going, as long as you're willing to listen to God, he's, he's there for you. You know, he is an amazing listener. And over time, I realized um, that it, it, it really helped my relationship with God. Like, over there, it was like I was trying to minister to these people, and I can see places where God used me, but at the same time, I was ministered to. You know, I, I kind of found myself over there. I found my relationship with God like it strengthened. And um, like God found me way over in, on an island in the middle of the ocean. And, um, and then you can go to the next one. So also, there was a great group of student missionaries there. They're they're probably the most there of almost anywhere. There were 18 student missionaries there. And it was a big group. um, On the left, we're at the ocean because, of course, we're on an island, so we got to go out among the islands and go swimming. And then on the right, that was my birthday. They got me a little cake because I was about to fly to Palau on my birthday, so that was fun. And they were just so supportive. And I got to meet so many great people. You know, these people, they were there for me when I needed it, you know, when I was crying or just when I felt really bad or I'd made a mistake. They would be there to support me, to encourage me, and to pray for me, and that that helps so much, honestly. You know, like, you never know what someone is going through. Sometimes we don't talk about what we're going through, but just be there for people and encourage them, you know. You can go to the next one. And then I got to, of course, the children were so cute. That's Odance on the left, and she she was really sweet. She gave great hugs. And then on the right um, were some of the church ladies, and they would take us out to eat, and they would just care for us and love us, and they were very um, welcoming, very caring, and they tried to make us feel at home. Even though we were in hundreds of miles away, they gave us a family there out, out in the... You know, it's amazing that wherever you go, almost everywhere you go in the world, you can find an Adventist family, and that was really special to see. And, and also, I get to see the academy students. I wasn't working at the academy, but I get to see them graduate, and I still have some of them on Facebook. So you could see, like, it was amazing to see God working in their lives. Like, don't underestimate the power of um, mission work, of Adventist education. Like, some of these students were from Korea or China, and they had, they, were, they had no religion in China, but when they came to Palau to the um, Adventist Academy, they, one of the girls stood up and talked about how she had learned about God at this school. So, you know, God is working in their lives. Amen. And, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Like, my major takeaways um, from being a student missionary are that... Um, God can use anyone. He can if he can use me, then he can use anyone cuz I was terrified of going away from home. I was so I'm such an anxious weak person, but God can use if God can use me, if you're willing, God will use you, you know. And he can use me um and that means that he can use anyone if you're willing. So and also if you um if you are at your lowest point no matter how you feel even if you feel that God isn't there like the feelings don't matter God is always there for you always believe that he has your best interests in mind he's going to be there for you when you feel at your lowest point he will be right there he's not going to abandon you there and that's what I realized Like you can trust his promises even if you don't feel them and God will never let you down and then the other thing I learned is that people are important like this group of people they... Um, they meant a lot to me. We became family over the year, and that was amazing to see and people like the people that you're ministering to the, the only the only thing that you can take to heaven besides your own character are your are your people that you witness to. so if people are the most important thing besides character development and your relationship with God you value the people in your life and look at them each as someone that Jesus died for. You want to see them in heaven no matter what, you know? And then um, I realized also, like, when I was young, I thought that missionaries or service for God wasn't really fun. It was just a duty that you do. But then I realized, like, we had so much fun as missionaries. Even though there were hard times, there were fun times. And God, he... He tells, you know, he, there's always those times when you feel down or when you just have to do something you don't want to do. But God gives you those, um, those blessings and those joyful moments. He, um, you know, even if they're rough parts, God will work everything out for good, and he gives you joy in the journey. So my challenge for you is, like, if you ever have a chance to go on a mission trip, take it. It is the most rewarding thing, and you grow so much. You learn so much about yourself, about others, and about God. So if you have the chance, do it. Yes. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Okay. Hello again, church. So I will be sharing with you this morning about my mission trip to Peru. And really quick, I'll offer a word of prayer. Your Heavenly Father, please be with me as I speak, and be with the congregation as they listen. Jesus, may I pray. Amen. All right. So yeah. Um, yes. So uh, can you go back to the first slide? Yeah, we'll just keep it there for a little bit. So um, at the high school I just graduated from, mission trips are an annual thing that everyone looks forward to and usually want to go on at least once. And I would advise, you know, to experience a mission trip at least once. So my junior year was the year that I decided I wanted to go on my first mission trip. And that year's destination was to Peru. So my freshman year, the school yeah. So my freshman year, at the school went to Tanzania. My sophomore year was to Guatemala, and junior year was to Peru, and senior year was to Puerto Rico. So a lot of places were out of the country, and they were things that almost everyone, everybody wanted to go on. So bringing these mission trips into fruition involved a lot of prayer and a lot of money. Um, the cost of the Peru mission trip was about one thousand two hundred dollars. And so for my family, that isn't really an amount. We can just pull out of our pockets and pay up. So um, through sending letters to people, um, asking for money, uh, working at the mission sale that we have at our school, I was able to uh, raise money. And um, through prayer and different things, I was able to raise money for the trip. Um, So there are about 100 people, including the staff, going on this mission trip. So there was a lot of people. And um, because there were so many people, the upperclassmen had to leave about two days earlier. And um, with half of the staff and then the lower classmen came um, later. And so now, next slide. Or there was supposed to be one with, well, anyway. So we arrived in Cusco, um, which is where we were, where our work site was. And we were warmly welcomed by a few church members here. There was supposed to be a slide with, like, showing them there, but it's okay. So they um, the church members had welcomed us there, and the altitude in Cusco is 11,152 feet above sea level, uh, making it higher than Machu Picchu. So with that um, high elevation can come elevation sickness. So none of the upperclassmen, we took heed to the um, uh, ad, the staff advising, you know, just take things easy, rest, and all that things. So the upperclassmen were okay. Um, however, the lower classmen didn't really listen. And so about maybe, a, I don't know, maybe two or three of them, like, passed out when they came. Yeah, so that wasn't too good. But, um, yeah, everything was okay a few days later. So the days, because, you know, the elevation was so high, the days were pretty chilly. Um, there was some light rain here and there. So it was, like wet and cold most of the time and the nights were really really cold um at the work site though it was um it was it got pretty hot during the day uh, but where we were staying, it was really cold. But it, I was okay because I knew I wasn't there to be comfortable. I was there to, you know, do God's work. So for our mission trip, you can give a preference of what you want to do from, like, greatest to least. So because—and um, on the mission trip, there's bu- we were building churches. Um, there was kitchen duty, running medical clinics, and having evangelistic meetings in VBS. And so I didn't really want to work outside all too much, so my first priority was um, working kitchen duty. So I got to do that for like two days, and then the next day, and that was like a whole day affair, the ladies would, we would have to wake up early to prepare the um, meals, like the breakfast, and then we would uh, work throughout the day preparing the meal for everyone, and then we would have to drive the boxed meals to the work site. And so, yeah, that was something. And then um, the next day was my first day at the work site. And at the worksite, there were many different jobs to do. Um, we had people making cement. Uh, we had people working on the like, building part of it, like the bricks and different things like that. And then we had uh, the job of digging a five-foot hole for the septic system. So that is me in the hole. And uh, it involved picking at the ground, then taking a shovel, shoving, shoveling that dirt out, picking some more, shoveling more out, so it was definitely hard work, but again, I, I don't mind hard work because I like to know I'm doing things. And so um, the little boy on the left, I don't know if you can see him, he has an orange shirt, and he's down digging in the ground. Um, that little boy, he lived up in the mountain behind the church, and every day him and his brother would come to the work site, and they'd just be so excited and happy to help, um, help us. So there he is digging. So that was very nice. And we also were able, they, the only shoes they had were the ones on their feet. So, you know, when they told us that, when we found that out, we were able to buy them new shoes, which I thought was really nice. And so, um, the next slide. Yes. So that is the church, um, like, halfway, not even really. But, yeah, that's the church and some of the progress we did on it. And we also were working at another church site, which the picture isn't here, unfortunately, but it's okay. So we're working at another church site, and that one was a lot harder um, to work on because a lot of houses in, and buildings in Peru are built on the side of the mountain. So that church was being built on the side of the mountain. This one was a lot more level it was, you know, before um, it, was, it was on level ground. But the second work site, it was up on the mountain, so we had a flight of stairs, and that involved people moving buckets of heavy buckets of sand and rocks up to make cement for the church. So, yeah, there was, there was that and that was that was hard work but it was okay. Um, oh boy, I don't have any slides from VBS, but it's okay. So for, we had VBS also. They held uh, evangelistic meetings um, every, you can go back to the la, the slide before. Yeah, we'll just leave it there. So um, there were evangel, uh, evangelistic meetings held every night for the um, communities. Um, they went to different locations. And so we held VBS for their kids. And that was really great being able to um, connect with them. I cannot speak Spanish, I took two years Still can't really formulate a sentence, but hopefully my smile and just coloring with them, I was able to show God's love. So, yeah, so there was, that, there was that language barrier, but it was still a blessing to be able to um, interact with them. So the week was going fine. You can go to the next slide. Um, Yeah, the week was going fine, we were working, um, working hard, all these different things. And so on mission trips, our chaplain who organizes these mission trips likes to have at the end of the week, um, like a tourist uh, destination or a tourist trip at the end of the week. So the, you know, almost most touristy destination place you could go in Peru is Machu Picchu. So we went to Machu Picchu and that is where our trouble started. So so to travel to Machu Picchu, you have to have your passport. And we were traveling by train, so we had to have our tickets also. So to get to the train on time, we had to leave at 4 o'clock in the morning. And so we get to the train station. We're all ready to go. And the people pass our tickets to us. And it turns out somehow, I don't know how it happened, but there would be people's The the passport numbers and people's names weren't matching on the tickets, so let's say I had my name, but someone else's passport ticket or passport number on their ticket, and then there was like um, instances of maybe four people or like four tickets with my name on it, but different passport numbers on each ticket, so it was really um, interesting trying to get that figured out at 4 o'clock with 100 people. Um, Yeah, so that was really hard to do, but we offered up a prayer to the Lord, and he helped us work that uh, mess out, and we were able to make it to Machu Picchu, and I'm really grateful for being able to go there. So yeah, everything worked out fine. Next slide. Yes, so um, Sabbath comes, and this is the final Sabbath there. This is the church. It's pretty much done. Um, so we were able to worship in the church and that was a really good experience. Uh, we were able to worship with the people in the community there. Um, so that was really good. And so we, they off um, they, they offered us a meal there. That meal was really good. I had a picture for it, but it's not up here, but it's okay. And, uh, it was like, it was, um, it was rice and eggs and corn and it was really, really good. It was such a good meal. And then after that, we went on, um, an evangelistic, uh, we handed out pamphlets throughout the communities um, through the mountains. And so um, that Sunday morning, uh, that was Sabbath, that Sunday morning we had to leave early to board our plane to go back to um, the States and everything. And so uh, however, as I woke up that morning, my stomach started feeling very queasy and I felt nauseous. So I went to the bathroom and I threw up. And little did I know, there are about 40 other people experiencing the same thing as me that morning. And that was the start of the food poisoning fiasco. So that meal that was really good was like... We, some people pin it back to that, I don't really know. There was another meal that was a little iffy that we prepared for ourselves, so I really don't know what it was. Um, But yeah, so it it just wasn't good. So we were riding, we had to ride the bus to the airport. And by the time we got there, almost everyone was like leaning over, looking half dead, bags in their hands. It, It was really bad. And so that was like probably one of the worst feelings I've ever felt like second to migraines. It was so bad. And so by the time we get to our gate, Only, like, two students and some of the staff are well enough to help everyone else. And so they helped take care of the sick. And um, while we were boarding the plane, we actually had one student pass out. And another one, I think, had, like, he was throwing up while he was boarding the plane or something like that. So they were held back, and they could not go on that flight. Um, But we eventually all met up together, and we made it back to the... States And so, through many trips to the bathroom, a lot of charcoal pills and fluids, I felt better um, by the time I got home that Monday morning. So, I believe that the incident at Machu Picchu and the food poisoning fiascos were just curveballs thrown at us by Satan to discourage us and distract us from what we had just accomplished that week. Um, The devil cannot stand the word of God being spread and ministry being done. And in so many areas of our lives, the devil will try to distract us and discourage us from remembering what God has done for us, what he will do for us, and what he is doing for us. So let us not give Satan that victory. Um, In times of trial, don't focus on how bad the situation is, but focus on who our all powerful, caring, and loving God is, and how he is working in our lives.
2: My name is not Sierra, and we're going to (laughs) skip up to where it says um, Ceci. Thank you, <laughs> sorry I added that there. Okay, so um, my name is Ceci Cabrera again, and I went to Saipan um, a mo- about a month ago. I was on a plane, uh, 14 hour flight <laughs> back to Virginia, because I was gonna be the director, and I didn't know, one of the directors, and I didn't know that, <laughs> of flight camp. Um, and I was on the plane, and I, it just all felt like a dream. Um, you know, two months ago, I was teaching my third graders, and now I was in Virginia. So this is Saipan. It's a 12-mile-by-five, so 12-by-five, yeah, um, island. It's very small. Everybody knows each other. Everybody is cousins with each other. and, like, <laughs> um, and um, But it doesn't feel that small because you have a lot of things to do there, and you have some hills and stuff like that. So it's it's a lot of fun. It doesn't feel like you're in a small island. Um, and we'll have the next slide. The, I was a third grade teacher in uh, the Adventist school there. We have uh, toddlers up to eighth grade, and we really want to open a, an academy because all these eighth graders that graduated want to continue, and we don't have enough teachers, and we don't have a building for academy like Palau does. Uh, Palau is the biggest school that we have in the islands. Um, but my story is very similar to Hillary. I hold on to jobs. Um, um, to the book of Job as well, whenever things got hard. And this is the school. This is how it looks like. Um, as I was flying to Virginia, I said, God, why are you sending me back to mainland if they need more teachers in the school? What, what is going on? And uh, there was camp meeting in Virginia. And uh, Pastor was told me, hey, I know the school needs money. I know, um, I know there's things that happen that um, now you guys need money. And now there's a big generator right there uh, where and that handicap sign is um, that can help us and I'm going to tell you why later. Next slide. Uh, these are the eighth graders that graduated and yes, this is the, this is the beach. This is not some green screen behind them. It's, they're beautiful, beautiful beaches and, and it's really, really nice. Um, we had all these kids are amazing. Uh, most of them came to our school, you know, six, seven years ago, and they didn't know what a Bible was, or they didn't know how to tell you anything about scripture. And the eighth grade teacher, Ms. Hope, she told me, these kids can have like a real conversation with you about the Bible, like critical thinking is there, and they're, they're you know, question, questioning each other, and they know their purpose in life, and it's just so, it just makes you feel so proud of them, of, of how, what the things that they're going to accomplish if they continue holding on to God. And this is another picture of the island. Just I'm six months in, and I think I saw the whole island, you know, 12 by 5. I'm like, I'm good. And then we went up there, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like yet another sight that takes your breath away and makes you think, like, how amazing God is. Um, uh, around, okay, October 21st is my birthday. I'm living the life. I'm in this island, and it's amazing. And, um, and then three, years, three days later, October 24th we get a uh, typhoon category 5 called U2. Uh, it's one of the strongest typhoons I've ever hit the islands. And we know that Jesus is coming soon, so these things are shouldn't be uh, getting us off guard, but we were, <laughs> we were still um, caught off guard somehow. Just because I've never been to a natural disaster like that before, um, it was just a little... I'm going to say traumatizing. It was a little traumatizing at the beginning. Um, I lost the house that we were staying at. We were staying at student missionary homes, and I lost my car. Um, There was cars flipped upside down (laughs) after the typhoon happened, Um, but it took two months for the island to recover, and something that I learned in this island is resilience, and these people Something happens, they're used to typhoons, not category five, but they're used to typhoons. Something happens, build it back up. All together, build it back up. And it made me realize how much we can learn from that, like in our church, just watching people that are non Christians fighting for the island and working together. And that helped us, that inspired us as a church to help others as well. We had people from uh, the New York Conference coming all the way over there to help fix ceilings, and um, we had Adventists disaster relief as well, helping us. So um, this is this, that was our school. And um, now, can we go back to the other picture? I saw a picture on Facebook yesterday, praise the Lord. Um, we raised $6,000 or something like that at, at the Virginia camp meeting. And that money went to the school, and now they're putting... They're fixing that ceiling, and now we can have chapel without getting <laughs> rain on. Uh, the kids will have to move to the other side of the bench. And I'm like, Miss Essie, I don't know. I'm like, just embrace it. Just <laughs> just take the rain. Uh, but now they're going to have something that they can have chapel, and they'll be uh, covered. Thank you. Next. Um, like I said, this island taught me a lot, of, a lot about resilience, and I was missing a lot to do outreach besides just doing my work as a teacher. And um, we we had three ch- churches, and one met under a mango tree, and it was just some benches and a tent. But after the typhoon, um, this Bible worker, his name is Chris, and now he's studying to be a pastor in the Philippines. Um, he decided to start building the church, and we painted those benches, and it's amazing. You go up there, and it feels so nice. It feels like a real island church, and It's just amazing that the people of the church, nobody else from outside came to build it. People from the church built that. Um, These men are like very (laughs) hardworking, very hardworking people, and they know everything about electricity and everything about, I don't know how they know it, but they know it, and everything about building back what has been turned down, so they taught me a lot. This is another picture of the island. Uh, This is called Pau Pau. That's the name of that beach. And there's like there's like sea cucumbers in this, is, in this island. <laughs> this beach has like black things like that and if you step on them, they go and it's bleh. <laughs> but it's a beautiful place. If you look at it, it's wonderful. You need to wear your shoes though, all the time. And these are my third graders. Um, I had students that were uh, from Japan, from, mostly from Korea, I have Chinese, um, Irish slash white, mixed with native from the island, which are Chamorros. I had people from Chuuk. Um, and it's just amazing to have a diverse classroom. I always wanted a diverse classroom. And that was the first, the first thing that God called me to. Here it is. Um, and they were the most amazing kids. They really taught me to just love without um, trying to be perfect. I always felt like I had to be the perfect teacher. And I I had just graduated from school, so I'm like, okay, I'm ready. In the first year, it's going to be this, this, and that. My classroom's going to look like this, this, and that. And they just taught me that you don't have to be the perfect teacher. You don't have to be the perfect Christian. You just have to love them and love them unconditionally, just like God loved them. Um, But um, something about this story, there's a kid right here that um, he... he, his mom is atheist, his grandma is Buddhist, and we, one day we were talking about idols, and he told me, "Missessi, I'm tired. Like, I don't want to bow down to, to Buddha anymore. Like, my grandma makes me bow down to Buddha, and I just don't want to do it anymore. And you, you see changing their hearts. You see it so clear, clearly when you're on, uh, on missions. And I had another student. We have temporary students from January to March, and they come from Korea just for some months to learn English. And one day I said, okay, everybody, grab your Bibles, we're going to do this exercise, boom. And this, this uh, little Korean girl, she comes to me and she says, what is a Bible? <laughs> and that was when everything changed, like, that, that's the moment when I realized, wow, I am a missionary, these people do not know who God is. Um, and like her, we had, like, probably five more coming like that and telling you, like, who is God, what is the Bible, um, how do I pray? Uh, just things like that that changed your mindset as a, as a Christian. Next slide. That's it. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess that's the last one that I put. So, yeah, but um, I just wanted to, to leave you with another message. I know. I just want to see how many of you have been in missions before. Just one mission trip or a whole year. So we have some. Okay. We have some that have not experienced that. It's an amazing thing to do as a Christian, as a person. It will just change your life. It will change your life. Even if it's a small trip, start a little bit, you know, with one trip to, I don't know, Mexico. One trip to, you know, Peru. You start by a little, a little, a little, or you can just go to the other side of the world, like Hillary, um, and just go full into it. But you will realize that, again, you're trying to minister, but God is working more on you and your character and who you are. Um, I had somebody come to me after I spoke at the camp meeting. She is 80 something years old, and she came and told me, "I just sold my house. I don't have anything else to do. I want to serve." <laughs> she said, "I I don't I don't know what else to do, but I feel like I'm too old." And I told her, "If you know the Holy Spirit is working, sister, just just go. Just so I gave her the." the uh, email from my principal over there, we need seven teachers right now to teach. And um, it still breaks my heart to think that there's nobody to teach um, over there. And I was checking yesterday in the Guam Micronesia Mission. We need 60 something teachers and student missionaries, uh, maintenance. I don't know, this church, these schools are, some of them are about to close because we don't have teachers. We don't have people that are willing to go And across the world, or to serve like that, you know, sometimes we're like, I talk to my my friends that are graduating college, oh, I have loans, oh, I have this, God will take care of it. God truly will. And if you feel like God is working in your heart, just keep praying about it and do something about it, because you cannot have the little thing in your heart for for a long time, because at some point, God is going to take you there. So um, let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling us to be missionaries. We'll thank you for calling us to be servants right where we are or across the world. Um, We thank you, Father, for giving us the privilege of sharing your word with other people. Help us, Father, to be more kind, to be more like you, so that we can become their friends first and then we can show them who you are more. Thank you, Father, for the day that we have today, and thank you for the message that you had to share. In your name we pray. Amen.